Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Making Soul podcast. My name is Pam Concier. I'm your host. I'm also the sound engineer and the editor and the whatever all those other things are that fancier podcasts have. Um, that's me. And the reason, one of the reasons I do this podcast, and I know I've said this before, is one of the reasons I do it so low tech and simple, just talking into my laptop um, voice recorder, is that I like to model for people that you could do this too. If you have a laptop with a voice recorder and maybe you have a website, or even if you don't, um, it would be possible to figure out how to get your podcast onto, let's say, Apple Podcasts, because you don't need to like have a fancy business or have any money. It doesn't even cost anything. You could do this. So anyway, that's just a little side note of one reason why I keep this super low tech and just me. Another reason is that it's just simpler for me and I don't want to um, invest resources in that right now. Maybe sometime I will, but not right now. This is our full moon edition. It is the first full moon of 2024. It's January, late January. And um, before I dive into our topic, well, actually, no, let me dive in. I will be starting to teach uh, art classes starting tomorrow. Actually, that's not true. I started on Sunday um, teaching a class that I teach once a month at the Rebuilding Center. I teach a mosaic class, and that started on Sunday. This week, I'll be teaching some more classes and um, I would have taught last week, but we were we had this crazy ice storm and we're like literally encased in ice for about a week and some people couldn't go out their doors because their front steps had is like a skating rink only without having skates and no side edge wall to cling to. Um, it was pretty crazy. So things got closed. Um, Portland Community College, where I teach, was closed for an entire week, actually a little more than a week. But we're back in business. So I'll be teaching against this term starting tomorrow. And one thing that I always say to my classes when I'm starting on day one is thank you for being here. I teach art classes. Our culture doesn't really support that. <laughs> um, a lot of people, and my students report this in their own lives, there, there might be people around them who are saying, what are you doing that for? Or do you think you can make money at it? Or you know, they might see something that they make in class and, and be a little too honest, like, mm, that that doesn't look very good or you know my students tell me the wide range of things that they experience and it's just so I start the class by thanking them for not just for showing up you know because otherwise I wouldn't have a job to do there but for taking time out of their life and most of my classes are two and a half or three hours long so 
it's not an insignificant chunk of time. They meet once a week for, for several hours. I thank them for taking the time, for valuing art enough to carve out that time and pay the money. And what I know my students come for is to learn technical skills, but what I want, my ulterior motive is that they will expand their soul. I guess that's the way I'm gonna say it. I usually don't lead with that. We t it does come up later in the class, almost always, but I just start with thanking them for valuing it. And I say out loud the things that often go unspoken, such as all the crazy, crazy notions that our culture perpetuates about art. And this could apply to any of the arts, you know, music or writing or anything. One is the notion that if you can't make money at it, what's the point? Especially if you're actually paying money to learn it and then there's no like return in a financial way on that investment. There's sort of a question about is that quote unquote worth it? So that's one obstacle. The thing that, one that I think is even more damaging is we have this idea that let's say you take a painting class that the first time you pick up your brush and apply some paint to a canvas or a paper, we're gonna know within a couple hours whether you're a real artist, quote unquote, or not. I don't know why that became a thing. <laughs> I have a feeling, I have some theories that have to do with patriarchy and sort of killing off the feminine and all that, but I'm not gonna get into that today. What I like to tell my students is to illuminate the absurdity of that idea. Think about like a basketball. You wouldn't hand a basketball to somebody who's never touched one and expect them to play in the NBA and then see how they do. We know with sports that you take baby steps and you learn how to handle the ball and then you learn how to pass the ball and dribble the ball and shoot the ball and you know you you spend maybe a year or two before you're even on a team and then you know you know how that goes same thing could be said for for lots of things we learn you know scientists working in a lab like they didn't just show up there one day and get the job they've been honing skills and studying and working on this, developing this for years. And then they can go and maybe lead uh, some kind of experiment or you know do something creative in the field. It's not something that happens with a bolt of lightning, um, but somehow this is the attitude around the arts. So no matter what I'm teaching, whether it's a painting class, a mosaic class, an art journaling class, a drawing class, I tell people from the very beginning, you are qualified to be here. We're not competing. I don't have expectations about what you're gonna produce here. We are exploring this medium and we're all learning here. So those are some of the things that I like to do sort of to set the tone um, I also, because making art, because the way, the way it works in our culture anyway, in the U.S., it is fraught with anxiety 
a lot of people who come to my class are just super anxious about it. Now, kudos to them for showing up. And sometimes I will take a little poll. I'll have people show me on their fingers, like from one to 10 fingers, their, either their anxiety level or their, their confidence level, depending on how I frame it. Let's say their, the other day I did it in their confidence level. So like show me on your fingers, 10 fingers would be like, I love making art and showing people and I'm, I've exhibited my art or I teach art, you know, super comfortable putting my things out there where a zero or a one would be, I'm about to bolt because a panic attack is coming on because I, I'm so nervous about like making things in, other, in front of other people. So sometimes I take a little, take the temperature of the room, so to speak, and see where people are in an anxiety to confidence type of scale. And, you know, people are actually, honestly, usually all over the map. There, one time I did have a, a 10, like somebody who was a teacher, a design teacher. And, and then I also have people who, some, one time somebody had zero fingers up and I sort of asked her and she said, she was one of the ones who was about to leave the room because she was so panic stricken with the idea of doing something creative. So I get all types and, and I love that. And one thing I have been consciously doing to help put people at ease, because these are normally now at PCC anyway, when I teach there, usually the classes are from five weeks to eight weeks long. So we're gonna be spending, you know, 20 hours, maybe more together, doing something that is scary for a lot of people, vulnerable, uh, nerve-wracking, frustrating, joyful, all the things. So I usually do start with some kind of icebreaker. I'll pair people up or put people in groups of three and give them some kind of topic to discuss that could be something about art or it might be like, are you a dog person or a cat person? or Something just to sort of see the humanity in each other, break down some barriers, you know, loosen people up and then we get started in our work. And I find that it's, it's worth the time to build that trust because I don't want to be a person who just adds more creative anxiety to their life. I find a lot of people already have had people doing that in their life. And the way I see my job is to undo as much of that creative anxiety and baggage that they've accumulated as I can so that we can just freaking make stuff. I just want it. I just want people to be able to make stuff. And I come to this from an honest place. I came across a quote recently. Let's see, it's attributed to Richard Bach. But the, the phrase is, you teach best what you most need to learn. And I feel like the, the work I do teaching art is exactly that for me. It took me about 30 years, maybe more, to get to a place where I could make things in front of people, do art, show it to people, show people my process, be, you know, sometimes I'm still a little anxious about it, mostly because most of the time now I am the teacher, so there's this added expectation of like, people expect me to have a lot of competence and to, 
you know, do these great demos and, and sometimes they don't, they don't go the way I expected it to and I need to be okay with that. So I still do struggle with my own little remaining creative anxiety. I don't think it ever goes away. I think it will always be something that I am working on. And my, my recent challenge in the last five or six years has, now that I've become very involved in performing arts, since I got hooked into flamenco here in Portland, um, flamenco is an art form that involves dance, singing, guitar, um, palmas. I might teach a little bit of something in this context at some point, just for fun. And for me, performing arts is kind of my creative edge. It's scarier. I don't have I don't have a lot of experience. I've done a lot of dance, but not the performing kind. I did a lot of gymnastics, and that was a performance. You know, like you're out there by yourself competing. So I have that, and I have some dance performance. But this is the area for me where I take everything that I've learned in my 30 years of developing creative confidence in visual arts, and I try to practice what I preach in the terrain of performing arts. It's pretty interesting because sometimes I literally have to like talk to myself out loud and say the things to myself that I tell my students every week because I am struggling with the same, you know, like I'm saying the exact same words that that my art students say only I'm talking about singing and yeah it's it's pretty interesting up in my head so for you I say all this because the full moon is a time to sort of step into your power as the moon starts waning it's also a great time to sort of shed what is no longer valuable what you what's no longer useful to you and if I can help you shed some of your creative anxiety, that will be a big service to the world. And I truly believe that in this time of upheaval, there's so much weird stuff going on in the world. There's lies being told over and over again until you know millions of people believe them. There's people saying practically that up is down and left is right. and right is wrong and wrong is right and you know it's it feels like living in backwards land a lot of times and then there's what's going on with the earth the planet with nature so if we can each harness our creativity take it out of the closet if that's where you have shoved it for the last few decades pump it up three percent more maybe five percent more if you can share it with someone or model it for somebody, that can have a little ripple effect. To address all these problems, I don't want to say fix because that feels overwhelming, but to do our tiny little part to sort of bring down the, the cuckoo level of the world and increase the creative problem solving that is needed, we each can play a part. And we can play our part more effectively and more creatively by unleashing ourselves from all of that baggage that says, oh, I'm not creative and I'm not artistic and 
my sister, she's the real artist, or my mom is, but I didn't get that gene, or all the crazy, not even crazy, all the stupid, ridiculous, I'm just going to say it, the ridiculous stories we tell ourselves about what we can and cannot do, those are just slowing down the progress that we need to make in this world. If we could eat, just imagine, let's, let's exercise our imagination for a second. Just imagine if the, however many people listening to this, I don't know, it could be three, could be 300, someday over the course of a couple years could be 3,000, I have no idea. If those people listening to this, if each one of them sort of increased their creative freedom by 1% and modeled that and one other person noticed, just think of the exponential change that could ripple out into the world. And then if you start changing the language around that you use around your own creativity and you start to believe in yourself and just do things instead of like shutting yourself down because that's what you've been doing for so long that you kind of don't even notice that you're doing it anymore. If you sort of open yourself up to your own creativity it could just ripple out and I love thinking about that expansion, the possibility for expansion. And one thing as I was just saying that part, it's worth examining why you think the way you do, why your attitude is the way it is about making art or about the way you sing or the way you dance or the way you write or the way you cook, or the way you do anything creative. I know for me, one of the big hurdles was that I grew up in with this Protestant work ethic that came from the Midwest, or maybe it originated in Norway and Germany. I don't really know enough about what life is like there to know, but that's where my ancestors came from, where you were not supposed to toot your own horn, so to speak. You weren't you were not supposed to brag. If you said something positive about yourself, basically, that was considered bragging and it was very frowned upon. So even though in Christianity, there is this concept of like not hiding your light under a bushel, there's also in the culture, this idea that actually you should hide your, <laughs> your light under a bushel or you shouldn't brag about it or you shouldn't even really acknowledge that you have one. If someone else no happens to notice it, maybe that's okay, but you shouldn't talk about it. You're supposed to just kind of blend in to every everyone else. And yet, again, the contradictory terms of like everybody is unique and you know, we each have our gifts and so it was just a very confusing stew. But that was something that I have had to work out and it took literally decades until now if somebody see something I've drawn or compliments the way I dance, I now most of the time am able to say, thank you. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be that hard, right? But for some of us, it's really hard. We want to put up all the, you know, like resist it. But, oh, you know, I, I wasn't, I, you know, whatever. I think you know what I'm talking about because this might pertain to you too. So that is one of my blocks. It not even it wasn't even so much like I think I suck at this. That is an issue for some people. Mine was more like 
I don't know how to claim it, how to own it. And I feel like I'm still a little blocked in working on it though, in letting myself be seen. This is true in my artwork and in my dance. I want to do things the right way, quote unquote, because I'm a really good girl and good rule follower and also really good at following instructions and sort of mimicking what the teacher is doing. Very good at that. It's harder for me to just freely express what is coming through me. And in a lot of cases, I have no idea what is coming through me or I, I don't even know what that looks like. So that, that's the edge that I'm working on is finding that authenticity of free expression and then owning it. Those are my issues. You can identify for yourself what your issues are and talk about them instead of like, this is why I can't X, Y, Z. Talk about them in a way of like, this is what I'm working on. It will change everything. Your language has so much to do with your actions, your behaviors and, the res and what happens down the line. And in closing, I wanna say, I wanna go back, uh, the mosaic class that I taught last Sunday, it's a two-part class because mosaic often takes two days. And so I did ask the students to show me on their fingers, you know, their, their confidence level. What I didn't do is tell them, I told them a little bit about my background and how I started getting into mosaic and that kind of thing. What I didn't tell them, and I, I want to remember to tell them this week, is I also used to be about a one on the creative confidence scale, which will probably surprise them because I did mention that in the decade or two after taking my first mosaic class, I ended up, and I say ended up because it felt pretty accidental, um, leading dozens and dozens of public mosaic mural projects, large scale, leading groups of 10, 20, 30, 400 people in projects, something that I never, ever, 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 ever in my wildest dreams would have imagined that I could do. I wouldn't have even known it was a thing to do. So all that to say that if you take a step toward it, whatever it is, and maybe your tiny step today is just to stop yourself from, before you say the words, I'm bad at art, for the 8,000th time, if you just stop yourself and don't say those words, even better, I mean, that's something to just not say it. A step in, the, in a more positive direction would be to say, um, I haven't practiced very much art, but I'm interested. And then if you actually start doing that thing, take a class, watch some videos online, try it out. Don't expect to join the NBA the first time you pick up a basketball. Not join, you don't join the NBA. Don't expect to be drafted <laughs> the first time you pick up a basketball. Give yourself time, practice. Someday on this, maybe on the podcast, I want to write about being an incrementalist, which is something I've embraced lately. Give it time to, to develop. Let yourself be a beginner. And who knows, and literally like nobody knows where this could lead. You might have an idea of what you want to do with it. It might take you in a completely different and awesome direction because that's what happened with me. So that is my 
lecture, my pep talk, my creative encouragement for you today. And I want the world to get better and we all have a role to play. And we can play that role more effectively the more creative we are in our thinking, the more we're exercising our muscles of imagination instead of just complaining about how politics are is right now are we all have a role to play so let's harness our creativity we all have it don't even try to tell me that you're not creative because you're just wrong and let's let's make the world a better place that is making soul that is making soul big time that is like just off the charts making soul so thank you for being here if you appreciated this message Will you please forward it to somebody you know who really struggles with their, who has like the desire to do creative work but has so many hangups? If you sent this to them, I would really appreciate that. And maybe they'll want to subscribe to my blog on, on Substack and, and hear more because that's kind of my thing is to unleash other people's creativity because it's something I struggled with so much for so long. But I'm on the other side. It's not perfect. You never get to the end. Thank God. Until you die. That's the end. So I'm still working on it, but it's, it's amazing to see what can happen. So thank you for being here. And I will catch you next time on the Making Soul podcast.